welcome, welcome once again to It's More Than Just Fights. As per usual, I am your host, The Real Deal, Ricky Roller, and it wouldn't be our podcast and our show if we weren't at least another week late, right guys? That's that's what we've been known for, is being fashionably late, so we might as well just keep that bullshit trend going, huh? Joining me today, we have, once again, Ron, the Street King London, who's got some big news coming up soon on some stuff that he's got going on. We'll let him dive into that shortly, but... Joining Ronald today, we have his uh, younger brother, Marquay Davis, who uh, he's dipped and dabbled a little bit in the combat sports with us. He's uh, done some of our amateur shows back before sanctions. You know, he's put the gloves on and put the work in with me and a few of the guys a couple times. He's actually, uh, unfortunately, we have a memorial event we're going to be doing here in Battle Creek on the 15th of July for uh, a family member that passed away. And uh, Marquay's going to be gloving up that night against Ron, actually. Kind of to show a little sentimental value and show show some morals and, and let everybody know that, look, these are two brothers and this isn't just a fight. This is a sport that can bring family closer. So with that being said, I know I know Ron's got some information coming up on some stuff that he has going on down in South Bend, Indiana. So we will let Ron dive in and explain to us a little more as to what he's got going on early July. Okay, well, thank you for having me, Rick. Appreciate you, brother. Um, I have a, a kickboxing with the promotion of Baptized by Blood down in Indiana. Ran by Bruce Strunk. Shout out to Bruce and, and his guys. Bruce is a longtime promoter. Been around since before the sanctions. Helped a lot of local Michigan guys out. Glad to see him still doing his thing. Um, I have a kickboxing match with a very talented person down in South Bend. His name is Aaron Smith. That would be... Uh, I do believe seven belt holder Aaron beat him up Smith, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, I remember Aaron quite well from back in the day. Me and Cody were speaking about him the other day. That man, I do believe he's in his mid-30s now, but that man has been around since his early 20s. So as far as experience and and knowledge in the game, this is definitely going to be a test for you. This, this is definitely one that I feel like you, you, you've got a big opportunity and a big chance here, so... Let's hope you can make the best of it. It's great to hear you got got more things coming up. You know, outside of just MMA, you were able to get involved in, in some kickboxing, and you, and you said something about some grappling coming up, too? Uh, yeah, I believe that's July 6th. I have a grappling, again, with Bruce Drunk's promotion, Baptized by Blood. So Baptized by Blood, card. putting a lot of work in, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, uh, the, the grappling match, how do you, is there, there any specific way to go about that? Cause I know, I know a couple guys myself and Marquay in particular, who mentioned something about that not that long ago about wanting to get, get into it. And I got, you know, my cousin Trevor, that'd be interested in getting into that. You give us a little more detail on what exactly this grappling is. Is it, is it submission only? Are, are you going to be in a open mat? Or are you going to be in a cage? Do you know any of those details yet? So, I'm going to start off by saying I had my first grapple match maybe like a month ago-ish against Ryan Berry. Very, very experienced. I think he was a brown belt. Not for sure, but I'm pretty sure he was a brown belt. Quite larger than you, wasn't he? Yeah, he was uh, He was 220. I was 185. Oh, your size, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a very fun experience. Um, it's different. It was different. Cause like I said, it was my first one. I'm I'm used to hitting people while getting grabbed. Uh, it it was it it was rough. It was rough. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I, I have plans to keep grappling. It was one of the funnest challenges in my life. Um, it was very fun. Uh, this one I have coming up is someone around my experience. He's a white belt. So this one will be, will be in my eyes, hopefully, a domination. I'm, I'm planning sure to go straight like in. To see that. Now, do you know, as, as far as anybody that's listening, because this grappling thing is, is relatively new to, to the combat sports scene in general. I mean, we, we got Submission Underground and a few other promotions that do their thing, but to have a, a grapple-only promotion, you know, that's... That's something that piques the interest, in, in my opinion, I know quite a few guys that had no consideration of getting back in the cage, but would be willing to grapple. For those guys that are listening to this segment of the podcast to start things out, who would you point them to, or in what direction should they go? Who should they contact if they're interested in doing this grappling stuff? Bruce Strunk. Uh, he runs the promotion. Or uh, you can actually hit up Bruce Strunk on Facebook at Bruce Strunk. Or he's in a, a co-ownership with Token. Um, don't remember the last name at the second. but Token and them guys got a lot to offer over there from what I've seen. Token and John Johnson and them guys in Detroit, they, they, they've been cooking with them t-shirts and, and the, 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 the stuff that they got going over there. Them, them guys have been really active. And, and it's nice to see Bruce touching back in with those guys and... and <laughs> And Bruce finally getting to get some push and, and, and some recognition. It's nice to see these these old before sanction guys still hanging around. You know, as, as a fighter that's been around since 2013, it's nice to see these guys still around because sanction killed a lot of them off. And it, it's nice to be able to still have the few that we do because those few that we do remember and recognize and respect, which is outside of combat sports, that's hard to find in life. Correct. Uh, I totally agree. I totally agree. But um, I mean, even if you're even if you're a fresh a fresh fish, you, like grappling is is a good way to start. Even if you want to get into MMA, you hear that quite. Grappling is an yeah. amazing way to start. And I mean, you you heard the name Bruce Strunk. He told you, you know, at Facebook, you want to get in on it, go ahead and shoot that message, shoot that DM. Looks like Ronald's grabbing his phone now. Might be doing it for his little brother, shooting that message. Hey. If it's something you want to do, man, grappling is a jujitsu and wrestling are great bases in martial arts to learn not only self defense but self discipline and the ability to be humbled. I had Naeem on my last MMA podcast, and me and him talked a little bit about the mental health aspect of MMA and and what it does for guys mentally, and he admitted that. He lost his drive for football. He got to college. He got to Olivet. He wasn't what he thought he was going to be because he was the shit all through high school and middle school going to a small school. Wasn't the shit per se when he got to college and it kind of crushed him. And then he went through a tragedy losing his dad and you know he lost himself. And it was, he sat right here where Ron's sitting and said it wasn't for me, Ron, and Cody coming out to his place to put that work in with him. The first time he said, and I think I sparred 10 minutes and I was in my bathroom puking. He said, I knew right then and there this was something different. He said, but I loved it. And it helped me find something in myself I didn't know I had. And he went on about how <laughs> football, he didn't know how to be humbled in. That's why he lost his drive for it. Because he was so good. Exactly. Whereas MMA, he realized, oh shit, 
135 pound guy might be able to pepper me up in boxing, but when we go to grapple, I'm slamming him and dominating him. So there's a give and take, and there's an ability to be less than but still learn. And if it wasn't for the jujitsu aspect of MMA, he would have never seen that he can learn and grow as well as being less than in a certain other aspect, such as boxing. So if you're considering doing something because you'll have them half a second in that jujitsu match where you're like, oh, I got him. I remember learning this or doing this. And you'll feel like, oh, shit, I did something. So when the match is said and done, you can look back. And that's why you always hear guys say, I almost caught you in that arm bar, though. I almost got you in that heel hook because there's that part of them that knows if I had done this different, I had it. You know what to do. You see the progression in yourself. And that's what gives you that drive. And that's what helps you get that self-confidence where at the same time you took a loss. So you're learning how to be humble and take defeat as well as grow. And you'll never find another sport outside of combat sports that will teach you that. And jujitsu or wrestling, in my opinion, are the best to do it. So if you're contemplating doing combat sports, and that's not just for Mark Way, that's for anybody listening, try jujitsu or wrestling first. Go to an open wrestling competition at Bailey Park like they had a couple weeks ago here in Battle Creek, where you could have signed up as a novice wrestler and wrestled dads that coach their kids. Yeah, you might have got beat, but you would have learned something, you would have enjoyed it. Go sign up for an open mat white belt novice jujitsu tournament. Contact Bruce Strunk for Baptized by Blood. Do something because combat sports is so much more than just fighting somebody. It does so much for guys mentally, girls too. Let, let, let me not disclude because I know plenty of women that have changed their lives through mixed martial arts, through jiu-jitsu, through bare-knuckle boxing. You know, whatever your niche is, wild. find it and you got to start somewhere. Ooh. So why not start with the jits? Why not start with the safe bet? Like, that's why I tried it at the when you guys had to get together at the pizza parlor. And then um, <coughs> I just never really actually did it again. Like when Ron had posted that uh, that grappling match, like I just looked at my girlfriend and was like, I think I want to do it. And she was like, go ahead. And like Ron had called me and I told him. And Talking about it's more than just fights. Can we talk about your event coming up? Uh, we we could touch a little bit on it. Um, I mean, I, I heard I got a little fish. You're coming out of retirement. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, there was the wow. whole reason I started my guns down gloves up charity event was for a, a, a fallen cousin of mine that was former military that that lost his life here locally a couple of years ago due to gun violence and. Uh, it, it motivated me to do something and try to make a change in this city. And I've done events since and I've, I've, I've done everything free and I've, I've given back to the community. But yeah, this one, unfortunately, I lost a uh, 18 year old cousin uh, going on his lunch break at work. And uh, it, it, it hits home. It hits home hard. So that's why every every bout at my event on July 15th, at Fell Park in Battle Creek is going to be a sentimental bout. I've talked to everybody already and confirmed. We're going to have you two, two brothers. We have a father and son. We have two childhood boxing friends that fell out and rekindled through one of my events that are going to do something for the fans that are actual legitimate boxers that are going to put on a very talented show. And then 
to close the night, I'm I'm putting the gloves back on one more time. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do a boxing match with my childhood friend Cody Baker, uh, pro boxer, pro MMA fighter, uh, BKFC prospect, PYP vet, guns down vet. Oh, um, so your your first bout back. Well, I heard it's a spar, so you guys might not be going all out, but you guys will be putting pressure on. Your first time back, you're gonna be going against. A bare knuckle prospect? Yeah. Why not choose an easier, a easier little Because, like I said, I want every bout to be sentimental. And I did this, I've been doing this since 2009. And Cody started with me in 2011. Cody has, I've known Cody since Cody was probably eight years old. So Cody is the only person that I can say outside of one or two other friends that I have known my whole life and not fallen out with. Have me and Cody had our differences? Yes. Hell, me and Cody, there's... Go ahead and look up... Uh, um, who was it? Mighty Mouse on YouTube. And he, he's got it titled under UFL uh, Underground Fight League. A uh, prison beef settled in his basement. <laughs> that was a video recorded by a mutual friend of me and Cody, John Ryder, of uh, me and Cody about four years ago now, in my basement, bare knuckle, because we fell out for two years. And that was the only way we felt as though we could settle it. So this is somebody I've literally bare knuckle gone fisticuffs with over a problem, and then afterwards hugged him and smoked the blunt with him, because that's my brother. So I only have maybe one other person that I consider that close like a brother, and unfortunately that man's locked up right now. If he was home, I'd be doing it with him. As scary as that sounds, yeah. but... Cody, Cody and me have a lot of history together and, and Cody's a lot of the reason why I got back into doing this to coach and, and started doing the MMA and learn the jujitsu to help you guys was because of Cody. So I feel like if I'm going to do it, I need to have that sentimental factor and I don't care how experienced the kid gets. The kid could hold the WBC boxing world title and I'd still spar him and I'd still beat him up like I do every other time. It's all love, <laughs> but it is what it is. Understandable. Speaking of uh, getting beat up, uh, let's jump subject real quick to the UFC and uh, get on how Tapora absolutely mangled Josh Emmett last weekend. I mean, Josh Emmett was a bloody mess after that 145 fight. Now, mind you, Josh Emmett was getting ready to fight for the, or just not that long ago, fought for the interim 145 title. Did he win? No, he didn't. No, win. he lost. He lost. But however, but that's still a big. That's and nobody is talking about Tapora. Tapora's fifteen and zero now. He's in the same division as Volk. We keep saying Volk walked through the division. Volk's lapped the division. How do we have a man in the top five with an O in his record if Volk has walked through the division? Understandably, they're gonna. Have Why are to, they not booking chance. that fight? Why was that fight? They're letting Volk go fight the 155 champ when you got a guy in the top 10 who's 13 and 0, 14 and 0, now 15 and 0. That doesn't make sense to me. We're we're, we're gonna <laughs> claim Volk's the greatest, but you got a guy walking around with no losses in your division. Exactly. And on, I mean, honestly, Tapora Tapora ran through him. He exactly. ran through him. He ran through him. And Josh Emmett was considered a title contender not that long ago. So we're, we're in my opinion, the UFC, but it's like I said, Endeavor purchased UFC. 
and the UFC is no longer the best fighters in the world. It's the biggest ticket draws. And unfortunately, Tapora up until this fight with Emmett wasn't a ticket draw. Now they can advertise him and be like, this is the guy that beat the dog shit out of Josh Emmett. They left Josh Emmett bloodied up, beat him up for three, five rounds, whatever it was. You know, it's people don't do that to Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett makes people look how Josh Emmett looked after a fight. Right. And Tapora looked clean. He had a couple knots, but Emmett was busted up, man. Bloody messed up. And I don't think Tapora's getting the credit that he needs. Tapora's not getting the recognition. And I think that's because they don't think Tapora is a ticket draw. So they don't see a reason to push him up the revolt. I was just about to ask, like, how is his ticket sales? I mean, like, you're saying, how, see, you, but once you get to a certain point, 15 and 0, it shouldn't matter about tickets because you're 15 and 0. Right. You done put the work in for, I, I mean, I'm, I, he probably put the work in half shit probably his full life. You know, he's probably been in the gym nonstop working for the shit. While you got other motherfuckers like being clowns and doing crazy shit at weigh-ins, pushing people. Being, like, this being game is- a pro wrestling promo is what they're doing because the UFC is no longer about... Hell, the UFC's hyping up for UFC 300 fucking Mark Zuckerberg versus Elon Musk. And we'll touch on that here in a little bit because that's actually, sadly, a possibility yep. to happen. Yeah. I'll, I'll discuss that in a minute, but... That goes right back into what I was saying. Endeavor, and I talked to Trevor about this a couple episodes ago. Endeavor purchased the WWE. Endeavor is the same company that purchased the UFC. Endeavor is a marketing company. They're about ticket sales. Endeavor they were draw. WWE first or UFC first? They had WWE. No, they had... UFC first and then bought the WWE just recently. And that's what everybody's talking about is everybody is concerned now because they brought over Nick Khan, Vince McMahon, Paul Levesque, a.k.a. Triple H, and a couple other pro wrestling executives to Endeavor, the company itself, to help run the WWE. But they also have partial say-so on other decisions as well, like the UFC and shit like that. Which is why we now have like guys like Sean O'Malley. Yeah, Sean O'Malley's good, and I don't give a fuck what anybody says. He didn't beat Peter Yan. I've watched that fight a hundred times. He did not beat Peter Yan. He didn't. He didn't statistically. I don't understand that. That's the UFC trying to push their guy. I get it. We got local promotions that do that. That that book bums against dogs because they want to push their guy. It's called padding your record. It's been a part of the fight game for years. Everybody does it, and if you're a fighter that says you haven't tried to done that, I'm saying right here, right now on my podcast, you're a goddamn liar, and if you got a problem, my email's 2894-ROLLERG at gmail.com, because every fighter knows if you can get a promoter to help you pad your record, your career is going to be that much easier. When you say pad your record, you mean like give you somebody underskilled? Yes, somebody that you know they're going to beat. So Somebody like, that knows will help you sell tickets. So hypothetically, for example. Me versus my brother. Yes. That's going to sell more tickets than you versus the eight-time boxing champ, amateur boxing champ that lives on the other side of Battle Creek. Okay. If I tell everybody, hey, these two brothers hate each other. <laughs> you, you know, he tried to talk to his wife or whatever. Oh, now I made it personal. Now I added a pro wrestling <clears throat> promo twist on it. And that's what the UFC is looking for. They're looking for the next Conor McGregor. 
They're looking for the mm. next Sean O'Malley. They want. The that's why board. they made the mistake of making the one and only trade in MMA history, and it fucked them over. They traded Ben. Well, yes and no, because now they have the BMF belt to this day. But they they traded Ben Askren from one championship to the UFC for Demetrius Johnson. Now, Demetrius Johnson had just tied Anderson Silva's title defenses around this time. Pay-per-view buys per pay-per-views, like portion of pay-per-view sales, out of the, I think it was 14 that Demetrius Johnson had at the time to tie Silva, two of those he received pay-per-view portions of. Anderson Silva received 14 out of 14. Demetrius Johnson didn't sell tickets. Demetrius Johnson went out there dominated in any aspect of the fight. Standing, ground, grappling, kicking, doesn't matter where we go. You want a German suplex into an arm bar? I'm going to do it. He, Demetrius Johnson is the... He is a micro version of George St. Pierre. He is a well-rounded mixed martial artist. No matter where the fight goes, Demetrius Johnson is going to dominate. But he doesn't run his mouth. He doesn't have crazy colorful hair. He doesn't talk shit. He's he doesn't nice. cut promos. Yeah. So nobody gave a damn about the little 125-pound guy that ran through that division and the 135, the guy that beat Dominic Cruz and everybody else. They don't care about him. They're not going to buy his pay-per-view, but they'll buy Conor McGregor with no belt on him. Didn't That's make crazy. no sense. So UFC no longer has the best fighters in the world. Since they have been purchased by Endeavor, they have became a ticket sale company. They're worried about who's the biggest draw. Who can we make the most money off of? And that's why you see companies like Bellator and Risen and One and PFL doing cross-promotional shows. Where it's all Bellator guys against all Risen guys. All One guys against all Risen guys. All Bellator against all Risen. They do cross-promotional because they want to see who the best in the world is. You see, I like those. Exactly. Right. A hardcore fan would because... As, and you, you would know, as a fighter myself, a former fighter, I want to know who the best is. I want to see, I don't give a damn who sells the most tickets and talks the most shit. If I wanted to see that, I'd go watch the pro wrestling shit I like. If I wanted to see somebody cut a promo and talk shit and have colorful hair while they do it and be an ignorant asshole, I'll go turn on AEW and watch MJF. I'm not going to sit and watch Sean O'Malley do it. Fuck that. I want to see the best in the world in combat sports when I turn on an MMA fight. And unfortunately, the UFC is steering away from that. I think that's going to cost them in the long run. However, they have things going like the retirement of Amanda Nunes. And I say that, and I'm sure a lot of fans are like, you mean things, what, how could that be good things going Amanda Nunes retired? Your one and two are... Julia Pena and Raquel Pennington. I couldn't even tell you who the three is. The number four is Holly Holmes. I know because I'm a ride-or-die Holly Holmes fan. Endeavor owns the UFC. Endeavor owns WWE. Who works for the WWE? Uh, like MMA-wise. Who? who works for the WWE right now? Rock? Well, no, no they know, right? No. No, for the WWE. Who who wrestles on WWE programming right now? Who's a wrestler for the WWE that used to be an MMA fighter? There's a couple of those, but Brock probably. Brock, uh, okay. Ronda. Exactly. That's the one I was Ronda, looking yeah. for. Ronda. 
Amanda Nunes retired. There's only two women to beat Ronda Rousey. Amanda Nunes and Holly Holm? Exactly. So, where's Holly Holm at? She's at number four in the rankings, and she's set on July 15th to main event against Silva. So she's already booked in like two weeks to main event a card. Rumors floating around. Julia Pena or Raquel Pennington versus Ronda Rousey for the vacant 135 women's title. Mm. Ooh-wee. Yeah. Does she deserve it? That's my question. question. It's been seven years. And can she do it? Uh, uh, it's, It's hard to tell, bro. It's hard to tell. Um... You'd have to just see because I mean, look, training videos. I've done know. I've done pro wrestling myself, a little bit of training in it, and I've done <clears> MMA, <throat> and I've seen pro wrestlers go back to MMA and MMA go back to pro wrestling. And they'll jump back. When you're in the ring or in the cage, you're a fighter. You know what shot hurts worse: the one you see coming or the one you don't. The one you don't. Okay. Pro wrestling, I can tell you from experience, you're never supposed to fully land. But it happens. You get kicked in the fucking mouth and you don't expect it. You catch a forearm and you didn't expect to. You thought it was going to be short. You forgot to jump in the turnbuckle when he did a hip thrust. And next thing you know, this 280 pound man just threw his hip into your 165 pound gut. That don't feel too good. You forgot to jump, so you take the full impact. That's just how it works. You have to sell it for a reason. If you don't sell it, then it hurts. And when you don't pull your moves correctly and you land full contact, those are the ones, like you just said, you don't see coming. That's why my opinion, I've watched pro wrestlers take more punishment in an MMA ring than I've ever seen. I think his name was Rick Snell. He had like three fights in Battle Creek. One of them was against Brent Clinton at the warehouse. And Brent, I mean, bloodied this man up and just kept cracking him. And this guy literally just Chris Levin Terminator style, eyes wide, kept he wouldn't go out. This man just wouldn't go because he knew them punches were coming. So he grit his teeth wide and was just going through them. Pro wrestlers are some of the toughest people I've ever met in my life. I did that pro wrestling workout with Josh Raymond, man. Terry Van Avery sent me to him. I had to pull my car over on the way home. I got the tunnel vision about 20 minutes away from his house. Bro, I was ready to pass the fuck out. I've never had an MMA practice do that to me. That that shit is something different, and I don't care what anybody says. That pro wrestling is something totally fucking different. If it's, it, it's a different animal to fake being hurt all the damn time. You can't... You know how hard an up-down is to do? Yeah. Try to do an up-down flat back with your arms seven times in like 30 seconds while a guy runs at you and tries to hit you in the chest with a clothesline. That's what you're doing when you're hitting the mat, bro. You're taking, And that mat is the same as an MMA ring. It's literally, I've watched them build them. It's wood, mat, canvas. The only difference is they don't tack it down in the middle so it bounces and makes the noise. It's a little bit of space between the wood that helps make the noise and a little bit of play in the ring. You get slammed in a pro wrestling ring, it's like getting slammed in an octagon. So when you see that motherfuckers come from 15-foot ladders and get slammed down on their back, imagine getting slammed 15 feet in the air down onto an octagon. 
that's what they do. That so, it's, it's something different. I'm telling you. Are you saying that as in like you think Ronda has a chance? I think Ronda might surprise some people. I I said this regarding a local fighter not that long ago that had a fight against a guy where he was a really big underdog, and that's what I said. I said either he's going to take him down and there's going <clears> to <throat> end up being a crazy submission. I said, but he's not going to knock this guy out. I was like, he's not going to. I remember talking to Ron about it. I was like, he's not going to knock this guy out. And he ended up subbing the guy. Beca- and, and just like I said, the shots that he hit the guy with, he ate because he seen them coming. He's used to getting hit with the ones that he doesn't see coming. He was a former MMA guy that went to pro wrestling and then came back to MMA. And the motherfucker's tough as nails. So. He fought the number one kickboxer in Michigan. Ronda might have somewhat of a chance. Because if she doesn't get her forearm up in front of her forehead before that steel chair comes through. Or if her forearm is just a little too low. That steel chair is going to hit her on the top of the head. Or that kendo stick. Or if when she rotates to hit the, the barricade. The electronic barricade, if she doesn't rotate far enough, the back of her head may hit that barricade. She has to take that impact to continue to wrestle. So she's teaching her body how to take these traumatic blows and continue to move. Whereas before, as we've seen with Holmes and with Nunes, arms go straight out, she stiffens up and she freezes. So hopefully she's at least worked past that. If not... Julia Pena will go out there and put that bitch straight to sleep. Pena will go out there. Pena will go out there and dog walk her. If she does not come out there ready for the strikes, Pena will go out there (laughs) just like Nunez did and just hook her to death. I promise you. Julia Pena has wanted the belt for a long time. And who's the second girl again? Raquel Pennington. Raquel Pennington's a a wily veteran. She's been around as long as Ronda was back in the day. She was a strike force fighter back in the day. Raquel's, Raquel's pretty good. But I just, I don't like how Endeavor is reaching because it makes me feel like, okay, what if John Jones retires tomorrow? Are we going to have Brock Lesnar coming back for the world title now? The the heavyweight title? Like, I, that that bothers me. She needs to come back and have a tune-up fight. Give her Holly Holmes, who's number four. Yeah. If Holmes beats Silva, give us Rousey against Holmes and give us Pena and Pennington for the belt. And the winner of Rousey and Holmes gets the winner of Pena and Pennington. Rousey needs to prove it. She's been gone for seven years. I don't care. She shouldn't just get a, a belt fight. Not, not. They they didn't give Brock a belt fight at UFC 200. They made him fight Mark Hunt. You know, they, and yeah. UFC even gave him a fight that they felt like he could win against Mark Hunt. So, like, give Rousey a tune-up, and it's not even really a tune-up. It's a bit, the first bitch to beat her. Right. You know, so why not give her Holmes if Holmes beats Silva July 15th? Book Holmes and, and Rousey for, like, October. And give us the, the women's world title fight on the same card. Have that be the co-main event. That way the co-main winner fights the main event winner. So if Holmes goes out there and knocks that bitch out again like she should, she can go out and call out Pena or Pennington. It's just a bias in me being a Holmes fan, being a karate guy. You know? I got to pull for the kickboxing. But outside of the, the Nunez retirement, the Pena Pennington, uh, the Rousey shit, um, we do have uh, some events that came and went. We had uh, a couple UFC on, on uh, fight nights. We had uh, Jared Cannonier 
got a win over Marvin Vittori, the one that wore his trunks backwards when he fought Izzy Adesanya. The Italian dude that fought Izzy Adesanya like two years ago wore the green trunks and he had them on backwards in his photo shoot and oh, yeah. made fun of him. You know yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about, Clay. Okay, Marvin Vittori actually hung with Izzy. He had two fights with him. First fight, he kind of hung with his Izzy, and everybody was like, Vittori's the gatekeeper to get to Izzy, da 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 Jared Cannonier, the one that fought Robert Whitaker a few years ago, mm-hmm. that just fought Izzy not that long ago, fought Whitaker when he broke his left arm and kept fighting the, the real dark skin, mm-hmm. short afro dude. Okay, <clears throat> so Cannonier has his fight with Vittori and sets a record for the most significant strikes landed on Marvin Vittori. How many? That says something I, about Marvin. Does that say something about Marvin, or does that say something about Jared? Because this is the same man that beat yeah, Robert both. Whitaker with with healthy arms, lost but went five rounds with a broken arm, went five rounds with Izzy Adesanya and lost by decision. Didn't get finished, went five rounds with him. In so the, In the kickboxing or uh, MMA? MMA. Crazy. To so, Israel for five rounds. And not get finished. Yeah. That's that's impressive. So, does that say more about Cannonier being able to land more strikes on Vittori than even Izzy could do? He beat even Izzy's record. That makes it a little different then, don't it? Yeah. You landed more on the guy that pieced the champion up the first time they fought. Granted, Izzy got him the second time, but Vittori ran with him the first time. It was a good competitive fight. That's why they had a second fight. So, the guy that Izzy had a fight twice to assure to everybody, hey, I'm better than this guy. Jared Cannonier landed more strikes than anybody on that guy the first time he sees him. And he was the underdog. They haven't fought twice? No. First time they've ever fought. This is the first time Cannonier and Vittori fought. And Vittori landed more strikes than anybody else and the most significant strikes on Vittori. And Vittori's a striker. Yeah, he is. So, does that show <laughs> that Cannoneer has stepped his game up from just a good boxer to a good kickboxer now? Do we have to worry in a couple months about Cannoneer against Izzy Adesanya? Just, Who I else is there? Perea's going up to 205. Is he? He's fighting Jan. Okay, he, I, think, yep, yep, I think Izzy might follow him, bro. Like... Well we'll, t- we'll we'll touch on that in a minute, but if Cannoneer just beat Vittori like that and Cannoneer comes out and says, I want Izzy, I think he, I think he fought Izzy like two years ago, two and a half. It's been a long time since Cannoneer fought Izzy, bro. Yeah. But I mean Izzy lost the belt to Perea and won it back and he had the Vittori I, I think it was after the Vittori thing he fought Cannoneer and then he did Whitaker again and then he had the Perea shit. No, then he had the Yan shit and then he had the Perea shit. And then Lost Perea, won it back from Perea. So it's been like four fights for Izzy since he fought Jared and like two, three fights for Jared since he fought Izzy. And Jared's won all of his since then and Izzy's lost two. One to Perea and one to Yana. Does that show that Cannoneer is stepping his game up or does that show that Izzy is losing a step or was Izzy stepping too far out of his ability by trying to fight Yana? Man, we're talking. Izzy, I mean, it could be, it could be either or. It could be Izzy stepping out and Cannonier stepping up. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
And that, that you know from experience, when you're starting to lose a step and a guy's starting to gain a step and them two meet, that don't mix well. Yeah, no, Ask your opponent, Brandon, about that. Because uh, he was on his way down and you were on your way up and somebody ended up with a quick TKO and somebody else didn't. Somebody else had a few more fights and is still known in the state while somebody else disappeared. And that's no disrespect to anybody. That's just a part of the fight game, man. Like, some guys have to take other guys' spots to earn it in the game. Because there's only so many spots. It's a cutthroat game in combat sports. And if I got to... You I got to go out there this. and put you out to take your spot. That's what I got to do. This is the only sport where you can do that. And and I feel like Izzy stepped out of pocket going against Jan. And I feel like you're right to a degree. I feel like he's going to try to follow if Perea beats Jan. If Perea beats Jan, that is at UFC 291, <clears throat> July 29th. Uh, main event is Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje for the BMF belt. Ooh, that's going to be a bad fucking fight. I, I've, I've told listeners before, and I'll say it again, the DVD is called Fightville. It's a documentary on Dustin Poirier covering all the way up to his WEC title. It follows his amateur career, his original coach in Louisiana. The movie came out in like 2010. Um... I'm sure you can find it streaming somewhere too. F I G H T V I L L E Fightville. It is a early day documentary on Dustin the Diamond Poirier. He has used the diamond since he was an amateur. This kid was a fat, overweight, wannabe, gang banging, troublemaking juvenile who found MMA at like 16 and it changed his life. I found it at 14 and it did the same for me. So that's why I've been such a diehard Dustin Poirier fan because I can relate so much to the struggle and and the not fitting in and the not not understanding where you belong and then finding fighting and just finding this passion for something and it grows this confidence in you and it changes who you are. Dustin Poirier is a BMF. He is a bad motherfucker that came from the bottom. Go watch Fightville if you haven't. Fightville is a great DVD. It's a great, I think it's about an hour and a half movie. And it, it'll make you have a newfound appreciation for Dustin Poirier. You'll forever be a Diamond fan, I promise you. <clears throat> His so, fight with Gaethje coming up, he's hes too well-rounded. He's a DJ. He's a Demetrius Johnson. If it wasn't for him beating McGregor, he wouldn't get pay-per-view buys either. Because he's well-rounded. Where where can you think of somebody really, other than when Charles Oliveira jumped on his back and choked him out like Habib did, where can you think of somebody really dominating Dustin Poirier? Yeah, no. He's yeah. well-rounded. He'll get caught slipping in the jits because he's not a high-level jits, but wrestling and escapes and boxing and kicks, he's, he's top-level everywhere. And that, on top of the fact that I know what the guy came from, and you know too, Ron, when you come from a certain type of struggle and you have to grind to get where you're supposed to be and nobody thinks you can do it and you make it to the level that Poirier is, you got a different type of motivation. Mm -hmm. You going down to Indiana, you got a different type of motivation. If you were to get a call to Bellator, you wouldn't know how to react. 
because you came from somewhere just like Dustin did, just like I did, from the bottom. Them guys don't make it. Them guys are opposite of what McGregor is, Clay. Them guys are the guys that are told our whole lives and our whole careers we'll never make it because we don't have the right resources. We don't have the right opportunities and the right people around us to help us get where we need to be. Dustin Poirier was one of them guys. And that's why I'm such a diehard Diamond fan. So call me biased if you want. I'm 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 pulling for Poirier in that Poirier Gaethje fight. I don't know about you. <laughs> Not gonna lie. I'm going for Gaethje, man. <clears throat> See, and I love that. That's why I got you on. Right. That's what I'm looking right. for. Right. Now give me some reason. Come I never me. I mean to the people listening. I don't really know much about these guys, but like, I know, like I've I've watched more Gate Gatesy because he's more like he's more actor known. You know what I'm saying? So he's been in more like films that I've watched or like just like little short videos or whatever. And I didn't really know about Poirier until he beat McGregor. It is. I'm trying to think. Was it? Was it Poirier that McGregor snapped snapped his leg his leg on? Uh McGregor snapped his leg on Poirier. Yeah. Poirier um back in the day when McGregor rocked the ponytail, McGregor beat Poirier early, like two thousand thirteen. And then Poirier came back after he had gone up a division and been dominating and literally said on Twitter, I want my rematch, I want my red panty night. Because that was when everybody was referring to the McGregor fight as a red panty that, night. Yes. Because Diaz labeled it a red panty night because yep. he got paid a million to show, and that's the biggest he ever got, plus pay-per-view buys. So he's like, I'm going to put my red panties on for this special event tonight. <laughs> and it became a red panty night. Every time you fought McGregor, you were guaranteed a million to show, plus pay-per-view buys, which was another mill. So that was the biggest paycheck ever of these guys' lives. So through... That and getting the rematch and then the fact that he knocked McGregor out in the rematch. Nobody had done that before. Nobody had knocked Conor McGregor out. Not even Floyd Mayweather in boxing could do no. that. McGregor, but Dustin McGregor the fucking knock. Diamond Poirier knocked Conor McGregor out. That was huge. That was and big. then was in the huge. second fight, knew he was going to come out with the leg kicks Checked him and broke, broke his <laughs> fucking leg. Poirier is a mastermind at combat sports and how to manipulate things and how to play things in his favor. So I feel like he's going to do the same with Gaethje. Gaethje likes to throw the hard leg kicks. Poirier's already shown he's got the shins of steel. He's going to check him. But Gaethje's legs are, are steel too, bro. I don't think... Gaethje has the boxing ability to stand and okay. strike with Poirier. Poirier is going to outbox him. He has a different type of dog in him. His yeah. jab yeah. is too quick. He's going to jab, hook, step back, uppercut, step back, angle. It's going to look like it's going to look like fucking Vlasi Lomachenko out there working at angles. I promise you. He reminds me of Max. Poirier, he reminds Poirier. me of Max Hall- Holloway. Yes, He's really like. He is the he only man. He is the only man to have a TKO and a submission victory over Max Holloway. Thank you very much. 
Quit sleeping on the diamond. Yeah, he's funny. one of the greatest of all time. He will be a Hall of Famer. I don't care what anybody says. He's got wins. He knocked McGregor out. He put Holloway in an inverted triangle. And he TKO'd <laughs> Max Holloway. Get the fuck out of here. Who does that? Only Volk. Well, Poirier's at 55, not 45. You imagine if Poirier decided to cut that 10 pounds and go down there and fight Volk? That's a pay-per-view I wouldn't, for the first time, you quote me on this on my podcast, I would not illegally stream that one. <laughs> I <laughs> buy that fucking pay-per-view. That, 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 that would be one that I would, I would spend my bread on. I don't care if the UFC charges a hundred bucks. I'll pay a hundred bucks for that shit. I don't care. That, that'd be if one that'd be down worth to 145? If you drop back down again, absolutely. Uh, in addition to that, on that card, they have Bobby Green and El Kukui, Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson taking some rough losses lately. I'm hoping he gets the win over Bobby Mean Green, the king, Bobby Green. I love Bobby Green, but but El Kukui is just something different in my opinion. And he, he deserves it. He deserves the win. He deserves to go out on his shield how he wants instead of getting carried out on a fucking stretcher. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be uh-huh. real. Tony Ferguson deserves to go out in a blaze of glory, not in some fucking bullshit. Do you think this to be Tony's time. last fight? If he loses, yes. He I think if he gets, I, I think if time. he gets knocked out, yes. I think Tony Ferguson retires. I, you I, don't I, think he was? He's gonna retire if he wins? No, nope. I think if he wins, he's because Bobby Green's top ten. I feel like he's gonna want to try to push towards the top again because he hasn't gotten that title shot yet. Albuquerque deserves that title shot. He just ain't got it. He's gotten an interim, but he ain't got the title shot. He's worth one. Yep, 110%. We got the Black Beast fighting. I can't even tell you who he's fighting, but I know Derek Lewis is fighting, so yeah. I'm fucking excited for that. That's the first card, first fight on the main card. So that's, that, that's going to be a banger. Yeah, there's a lot of bangers. Alex Correa and Jan is the co-main on that one. That's the one I wanted to touch on real quick before we finished up uh, was... Uh, Jan Blokanovsky against Alex Perea with Alex going up and basically trying to conquer who Izzy couldn't. That's a call out without a call out. He's going up and fighting the guy to beat Izzy. Izzy has two losses on his MMA record. One to Jan and one to Perea. He's avenged the one to Perea. He hasn't avenged the one to Jan. So what does Perea do? He said, let me go beat this guy since how you can't. Mm. Now, if Perea beats Jan, I think you're 110% right, Ron. I think Izzy follows. And Izzy doesn't go for Perea. Izzy goes for Jan. Because Izzy wants to prove a point. I can do it too. Right. And then we'll have Perea against Jones. Jones will dog walk him. And, oh no, Jones is heavyweight. Yeah, Jones is. We'll have Perea against, well, we got Yuri and Jamal coming up first. And I'm torn because I'm a Jamal Hill fan because he's from GR and I'm a Michigan boy and but Yuri Prohovich is something different, and I followed Yuri for years, like I did Dustin Poirier. And Yuri ain't Glover. When is when is uh, Jamal Hill fighting again? I'm not sure. They're waiting on Yuri to come back. I do believe it's going to be Yuri and Jamal for the belt. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I feel like Yuri, Yuri's fight. something different, though, man. Like he yeah. lives in the woods, and he, and he focuses on fucking meditating, and like borderline, almost like. Ancient alien type shit, crazy type shit. Nigga lives like a billionaire off in the woods with like fucking mats in the forest and shit like that. Like, but if we're if we're speaking on billionaires and shit, 
we'll go ahead and we'll start our customizable sub- subject here, and uh, we'll dive into the submarine talk here in just a moment. So if we're we're on that subject, like I said, of the uh, the submarine sinking, you know, everybody got their opinions on that, and everybody feel you know conspiracy distraction, you know. For those of you that don't know what's going on at this point in our uh, podcast, this is the customizable portion that I introduced with uh, my cousin Naeem on the last episode where we talked about mental health. Um, our guests get to pick a subject of their choice and discuss whatever they want for, you know, 15, 20, 25, 55, however long they want to talk. You know, and today our guest, uh, Ron, he was our first selected guest today, decided to speak about the... Uh, billionaire exploration of the titanic submarine that uh imploded on itself and uh his brother marquay happened to be sitting here with me earlier today when ron stepped out the room and i told him what the subject was and he he looks at me and says i'm gonna blow his mind so with that said we're gonna go ahead and let marquay open the uh the floor with his opinion on the submarine subject and uh what he thinks the uh, the actual outcome is, whether it be the submarine imploded, whether it be a distraction from the government for something else, whether it be the pilot was just retarded and decided to use a video game controller. <laughs> we'll go ahead and let Marquay speak I mean, his mind. Can we, can we want The controller has nothing to do with it. Yes, it was a, it was a cheap controller. But I mean, look at these million dollar drones that our military has that we control it with the same shit that nothing happens. But like, it's more like, it actually imploded. <laughs> yes. But, but like, I still feel like it was, it was to get our eyes off of something else. Like, I don't know how to, I don't even know how to explain it. It's, uh, I can believe that. I could definitely yeah. believe that. I could definitely see that. Like these, <laughs> these men lived their whole life, you know what I'm saying? They were, they were, you know I'm saying? Older men, and, you know what I'm saying? They, they had everything, right? Not all of them. Not all of them. I, I mean, do believe there was a 19 year old that There was, was a young boy on there, yes. One of, <laughs> one of their, their children, and, and that's another thing. There's messages, or there's leaked messages and videos of this boy telling his father <coughs> that he don't want to go. Okay. And, and 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 his father's like, "Well, you have to." Like, it, it's Ron, a lot deeper than what people think it is. Before I pull up what I know, and I start quoting things, I want you to go ahead and give your opinion on this subject real quick. Uh, I could see what Markway was saying. It could be like something to keep our eyes off something. Um, the reason I think that is because there's just, there's so much that was wrong. There was so much that was wrong with it. So much little things, the controller. The amount of space for five people in there. The, the, um, I read up on an article and, uh, like they were, it was not even fully functional before they took it off. They took it. They took it out a day before, and it was uh 
What do you call that? It was having malfunctions. Uh, uh, what malfunctions? Yes. Okay. <coughs> let me let me let me bring something to your attention that I'm not sure you're aware of regarding this subject. David L O C H R I D G E Lotrich, in my opinion. I could be pronouncing it wrong. <coughs> he was a former employee of the submarine company and helped construct said submarine. The Seagate Company? He was fired in 2018 after a scathing report to the company's lawyers presented by his lawyers attempting to sue the Ocean Gate company for claiming that their submersible submarine to tour the Titanic was not safe and would implode on itself. In response, they fired David Lotchwich. Well, for intercontracts involved? There, did you hear what I just said? There was a man that was building this submarine in 2018 that brought it to their attention, to the company's attention, and said, hey, this sub isn't safe. It's going to implode on itself. They said, oh, it's fine. This man went to court and tried to sue them because it was one man against such a large entity in OceanGate. He lost, and in return, OceanGate <laughs> fired him. Now, that was 2018. Here we are five later in that same submarine that he was helping design imploded with the five people inside of it. The same thing that he said was going to happen in 2018 when he took them to court and they fired him. There was a designer of the sub that took them to court five years ago and said this was going to happen. And everybody ignored him. That doesn't make sense to me. I'm on Google and I can show you right here literally. Four days ago, 2018, five years, like, he sued this company and was fired for saying this submarine was going to implode in 2018. Here we are five years later when they send it off to go visit the Titanic and what happened to it? It imploded. Now he should get compensated for five years. But this, I've always been one that says the government does do things to distract us. The fact that there was a man five years ago, though, that said, hey, this is going to happen, and they fired him and had to wait five years to actually make this happen. Not even just a man. Happen. It's not like he's a visionary. I'm he, he's he, a he, submarine he, architect. He, built he builds subs, yeah. special submersible ships. He builds them. I'm pretty sure it said he built that one. Yes. Like, Look. In a 2018 lawsuit, David Lotrix, who began working at Ocean Gates as director of marine operations in 2015, alleged that he was sacked after trying to expose the submarine for being implodable. So after he blew the whistle on them and said, this isn't safe, I'm going to sue you guys, they fired him. And then they waited waited five years, waited till it all chilled out. And submersed it submarine, and it imploded, just like David Lotrich said it was going to. So, was this really a government distraction, or was this a company not listening to one of their employees and just trying to make a dollar? Well, what? 
Why how can how can it be both though? Because if this is something that somebody said was going to happen five years ago, because they knew. But that's that's the thing is what are they just what's the distraction from right now? The Canadian wildfires. We know about all that shit. We know all that shit was self started. We don't give a fuck. That's not America. So what is our government really distracting us from? We're so convinced that our government distracts us from everything. We can't recognize in front of our own eyes when our scientists just fucked up. And we had a natural catastrophe because our scientists didn't listen to one man. This isn't a distraction because the shit that's going on isn't affecting us. What is really, I would understand if this was back, you know, like when oil went way up and all the other, but nothing is happening right now other than the Canadian wildfires. So we got a smog over us. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, that's chemicals. Better. No, it's not. Did you see Detroit three weeks ago? You Detroit really was orange. Like it was covered in an orange fog. So is New York, yeah. It's, it's the Canadian wildfires. And so what? If Canada started, I don't give a fuck. I don't live in Canada. It ain't going to make it across the Great Lakes to me. I don't give a damn. The smoke might, but the fire won't. I don't give a fuck. So what? I coughed last night. No big deal. I'll close my bedroom window. <laughs> I mean, this, this, I wouldn't even say that, it's like, not really a like distraction even, from anything that we have going on. There's no election. There's no war. That, there's no... That, that's important, but yeah. There's, what was it, 12? There's 12 visits to Titanic a year in the same type of Fucking submarine that they were in, same technologies, control. But not by the, with people in it. Yes. No. Yes, two this men is in the, it. This is the first time that this has happened, bro, where they have sent people that deep in the ocean. They don't send The Challenger Deep had two people in it. They send at eleven thousand meters. They send drones down to the Titanic. They have never sent a submersible device with people in it down to the Titanic. That's not happened before. They've sent drones. Mm. That's that's kind of like the same shit with the people that just locked themselves in that Mars habitat. I mean, did you see about that? There, there's I think it's thirteen people that locked themselves in a habitat that's supposed to simulate living on the the atmosphere of Mars, and they agreed to lock themselves in for one year from NASA. I'll pull that shit up. Hang on, if we're on crazy subjects, but we, we I, mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, if you want to talk about a distraction though, about. The, the submarine. This would be the distraction. The well, large experiment in my The family opinion. in Las Vegas. Look, four people locked themselves in in a Mars habitat for a year. If the government is trying to use a distraction, it would be this. In my opinion, and nobody's talking about it because everybody's stuck on the sub shit because the sub shit is a freak accident. And we're so conflicted and and believing that the government is always behind everything. The government's not behind the sub. They're behind this Mars shit. This is supposed yeah. to be the distraction is the Mars shit. But because these fucking submarine archaeologists are retarded and didn't want to listen to Dave Lockridge or whatever the fuck his name was, now they got a fucking sub that imploded and killed five billionaires. Okay, but then again, there's also that family in Las Vegas that just disappeared. Like, they were literally just on social media. Like, I have it all on my phone, bro. I have my See phone. See the aliens in the backyard? Yeah, but yeah, the, the, I, I the read about video. that, too. And yeah. then, and then There's been a lot of shit took, with Area 51 and UFOs took, and shit lately where the government is supposed to be covering shit up. These five billionaires died. Now nobody's worried about the See, aliens. Now the family is literally gone. I think it's the opposite. I think 
everybody's drawn to the submarine because it's so public, because it wasn't supposed to happen. Right. Whereas the Mars thing, that's publicly advertised. That is supposed to be because yeah. if, if we're focused on these four people locking themselves in a Mars-type environment for a whole year with no outside contact, that's what everybody's worried about right now is how are these people going to be when they come out of this environment? Are they even going to be of sane mind and body? Why are they going to be okay? for, three, for 378 days? Is, is that a year on Mars? Yes, because Mars' atmosphere and time is different. It, it, it's it's totally it's printed though, so like... This has been planned for a long time. This has been the government's distraction to something. But the submarine... 4,000 people applied. The, the, submarine, the submarine is such a big deal because it was such a freak... It's, it's like the Twin Towers. It wasn't expected. World Trade Center was supposed to happen. Twin Towers was not. So that's why that was the big focus and nobody talked about the World Trade Center. Because the government wanted us to talk about the Twin Towers. They didn't want us to talk about the World Trade Center. And it's the same thing with this. They wanted us to talk about the Mars shit, but they're okay with us talking about the submarine shit as long as it ain't the aliens in the Area 51 shit that everybody was talking about before this. All the UFO sightings and everything everybody was seeing before, all this submarine and Mars shit, the Mars shit was supposed to be the distraction to get everybody off the UFO shit. But instead, the submarine shit happened one week before. And it was a freak accident. So now everybody's focused on that. So let's still give them the Mars shit. So if the sub don't do it, the Mars will. Everybody's going to forget about the fact that every single state was sighting UFOs not even two months ago. That there was a a family in Vegas that had the alien sighting and disappeared and all this other. Everybody's going to forget about all that. Because everybody's going to focus on the sub and the Mars project. The sub was a freak accident that the government is using to their advantage. The Mars Project. That's always been our distraction. Is, think about back right after 9-11. They did the fucking drone on like, Mars. It, it could have been an It was accident, 03 but, when they first sent a drone to Mars. 9-11 happened in 01. But, we invaded Iraq but, in 04. It was a distraction. That's what our government has always done. We didn't, we didn't go to war with Iraq for oil. No, we went to war with Iraq because Bush's daddy had an issue back in the day, and that's why Bush was behind 9-11 and the World Trade Center attacks. He blamed it on Bin Laden and Osama so he could go back to war with Iraq to get their oil because his daddy couldn't get the job done back before Bill Clinton. That's the whole reason that war happened. That's why everybody says Bush is behind 9-11. They had technology that we didn't have. No, they had nuclear technology, and we already had the same nuclear technology. They had oil, and George W. Bush Sr. went to war with Iraq back before Bill Clinton, Iraq and Iran, to try to get the oil, and he was unsuccessful. Bill Clinton came into office and said, we're pulling out of the war. This is an unnecessary war. We're not doing this. Well, then George W. Bush Jr. comes into office in 2000 and in 2001. World Trade Center and 9-11 happens, which everybody says George W. Bush Jr. was behind. Because George W. Bush Jr. then blamed Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein in Iraq and the Taliban on that attack. When in reality, the way the Twin Towers blew up, that was an inside job. The towers don't implode from the bottom when a plane hits the top. I don't care what you say, the way steel melts, them towers don't come down like that unless there's bombs at the bottom. 
Like, Period. They, that you, steel don't melt. It's the same steel they use to build jets. That steel don't melt unless there's bombs at the bottom like that with that type of heat. It's been proven by scientists that there had to have been bombs at the bottom of the Twin Towers for them see, to I fall like, the way they did. Which, <clears throat> Yes, I mean, that is true, but I feel like it's deeper than that more because if you think about it, what, like, I feel like getting into, like, the little spiritual type shit, like, the Antichrist would be religion, okay? Every, like, if you go scroll on anything right now, it's all about, like, like, the Lord, or, um, like, how, how the government's hiding shit from us, or, like, Antarctica's an ice wall, and, like, it's actually flat, and, like, why, how the fuck you have to go over Amsterdam to get to Europe when we're around? I'm saying you gotta go over Amsterdam straight to get to Europe, but we're a circle. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. But there's classified, like, documents of after us getting, uh, like, in Iraq, them finding a Nephilim, uh, like, a, a pure, like, Nephilim, Nephilim body under uh, <coughs> Saddam Hussein's house or whatever. And uh, they got, like, a blood spot and shit from, from it. And if it's, like, I'm saying, if, if it's real, nigga, like, that's how they had all that technology. You know what I'm saying that's you know, that's Jesus, quote unquote Jesus per se. Because if if Nephilim is real, then the Lord will have to be real. And 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 that so, ties into what they believe nuclear weapons are. Right. Nuclear weapons are all based off yeah. that entity. Like that's certain, how you get a nuclear bomb and all that shit. And a like, certain belief is, like these is are through it. It's, it's a holy power that creates the nuclear bomb. Like, that's why the nuclear bomb is so powerful. But that wasn't. Mind. Back in the day, because the United States already has, the United States already has so much access to nuclear power. Countries that have some, what they have compared to what the United States have, even if Nephilim is what the source is, what the United States has compared to the rest of the world, there's a reason every time there's a war, the United States military is discharged with the Red Cross. Because the United States has the largest and the most powerful military. There's a reason we are a country full of people that looked at everybody else and said, fuck you and your rules. We're going to do our own thing. We found something here in this country that nobody else could obtain. And we manifested that and created that into a weapon. I mean, the Grand Canyons have temples. And the fact that the United States has been able to do that, it's like Marquez said, we are known as the worldwide police. If Iraq has an issue with Iran, Invading them, they call the United Nations, and who is the United Nations? Say? I mean, look at the Ukraine, Great Russia Britain, shit. and America. We because we have the two largest, Ukraine. but we have the most powerful military in the world. Nobody has more nuclear weapons, more tanks, more subs, more planes, more ships than the United States. We are the most powerful military worldwide. So, anytime a small country has an issue that's a part of the United Nations. The United Nations look at the United States like the big brother and they're like, hey, take care of this for us. And that's what we're expected to do. That's why we have so many wars. That's why we have so many civil battles that we're involved in because we are the world's police force, because we are the most powerful. That's why, if you really dive deep into it, that's why Clinton pulled out of the war because Clinton 
felt as though we had resources just like Obama resources here in the United States that we could find ourselves, which is why when Obama we went through the Great Recession because Obama refused to outsource to try to find resources elsewhere like Iran and Iraq and shit like that. He wanted to find everything that remotely caused us to struggle as a country, struggle with jobs, struggle with income because we weren't bringing in the materials we needed to provide for the jobs that we had here in the country. Whereas when the Republicans were in office, like George's dad, George's dad's objective was to go invade other countries and take their oil because it was worth money. Well, he tried to invade Iraq and Iran, and it didn't go too well. So then he ran for the next election, and because it didn't go too well, he lost the election to Clinton. Clinton won. Clinton was office until he got impeached, and then in 2000, George W. and Al Gore won. Al Gore won the popular vote. That's still one of the most controversial elections in United States history. The people voted for Al Gore. But the Electoral College, like Michigan, I think, has 27. So we have 27 people that say, okay, out of 200,000 people in Michigan, 150 said Al Gore and 50 said George W. Bush. But out of the 27 of us, 20 of you say George Bush and 7 of us say Al Gore. So we're going to vote for George Bush. And that's what happened in a lot of states. Is the Electoral College picked George W., but the people of the United States voted for Al Gore. Al Gore ended up winning a Nobel Peace Prize. He brought global warming to attention. Al Gore changed the world. And we chose George W. Bush, who came into office, and after one year in office, caused the Twin Tower eruption, and then blamed it on Iraq and Iran so he could do the same thing his daddy did and invade Iraq and Iran to get their oil. Granted, when Bush was in office after 9-11 and we had that war after we caught Saddam and Osama and we got all that oil, that's when gas was like $2 a gallon. Now gas is like $4 a gallon. It is what it is. I mean, I understand why he did it to help the country but prosper, enough, but we have enough oil in our own, on, on our own continent, and that's what Obama and Clinton said. Our own continent. I'm saying, like, we don't like, and that's what the Democrats always it's say. Too, it's, it's too good. Is if we were to distribute more for the smaller guy, and we were to all even shit out and we use our own resources, we'd be better off. Whereas the Republican says, uh, uh-uh. uh top dollar guy gets the most and we're going to go and we're going to outsource. We're going to spend the least to bring the material in so we ain't got to put the work in and the little guy can work for what we can get here out of this country. And that's not how it should be. The democratic view is, okay, we're going to use the land we got. Everybody makes roughly the same. We're going to evenly distribute for those that can't make it and we're going to go ahead and use what we got to get what we got. And that's that's the difference between the two parties. That's why I don't get politicianal. That's why, because I own my house. I'm in the middle class bracket because I'm a homeowner and I make close to 100000 a year between me and my wife. But I came from poverty. I came, I have a lot of friends that are lucky to make fifty grand a year. You know, so it, it, it's to see the little guy struggle when the Republican helps me out, but at the same time to remember when I was the little guy that struggled like that, this country struggles with an even balance. And that's why they continue to use distractions like they do to try to keep us occupied and busy so we don't realize and comprehend how torn amongst ourselves they really make us. And that's what this country's job is, is to keep us separated into two different parties, at most three, because that's how they keep their equal balance.
All I'm gonna say is, who's ever listening to, to this shit, you wanna get hit to life, watch the holographic disclosure. The fourteen parts. Don't watch it. Don't watch it if you're not if you're not okay with life. Just in, just in general, because it is. In other words, if you are not open minded and you don't know what it means to be open minded, that is not a just, subject for you to divulge. Honestly, if you're not open minded, you're probably not still with us on this portion of the podcast because this is definitely customizable and this has definitely gotten off the wall. But with that said, I want to thank Ron. I want to thank Marquay. I want to thank all the listeners for giving us a little over an hour of their time today. This has been It's More Than Just Fights, brought to you by the Sporting Lounge. Thank you again, Ron. Thank you again, Quay. Everybody else, have a good night.